As the rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, may I welcome you very warmly to this service. Our doors are open once again, and we are now able to offer a said service of Holy Communion each Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. But these online acts of choral worship, which draw upon archive recordings of our choir and congregation, combined with newly recorded readings, prayers and sermons, will continue each week so that you can enjoy the full wonders of our amazing choral tradition until such time as we can sing once again. I shall be offering this act of worship on your behalf, so please join your prayers with mine. May the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Pharaoh's daughter named the child Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. It is a great delight to welcome you to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the 11th Sunday after Trinity. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, 
to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
Let us pray. O God, you declare your almighty power most chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Mercifully grant to us such a measure of your grace that we, running the way of your commandments, may receive your gracious promises and be made partakers of your heavenly treasure. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 1, beginning at the 8th verse. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase, and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labour. They built supply cities, Pithom and Ramesses for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labour. They were ruthless in all of the tasks that they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Puah, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of the pharaoh came down to the bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, 
and I will give you wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. She named him Moses, because, she said, I drew him out of the water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The epistle is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, beginning at the first verse. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory 
Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. I love the story of Moses because apart from being a rattling good yarn from beginning to end, it is also a story that contains a great deal of wisdom about both the realities of human life and the ways of God. You will all, I'm sure, be familiar with the story that we heard as our first reading this morning. Moses, the son of two Hebrew slaves, has the misfortune to be born in Egypt just at the time when a paranoid pharaoh has ordered the wholesale slaughter of all newly born Hebrew boys, fearing that the enslaved Israelites were growing more numerous and more powerful than the Egyptians. Initially, Pharaoh attempts to make the Hebrew midwives responsible for carrying out this appalling deed. When this plan fails, he simply gives orders that all Hebrew boys are to be thrown into the river Nile to drown. When Moses' mother gives birth to a son, she does what I imagine most mothers would do in her terrible situation. She hides the boy for as long as she can, but she can only hope to conceal him for a short time. To attempt to hold on to him for longer would be to risk discovery and lead to his certain death. So, what is she to do? She cannot keep him, but nor can she pass him on to any other Hebrew family to care for, because, of course, he would be no safer with anyone else, even if they were willing to risk taking him in in the first place, which is doubtful. So, in the end, Moses' distraught mother is driven to do precisely what Pharaoh has ordered. She does indeed put her son in the Nile, but she places him there in a waterproofed basket, so that she is at least spared the horror 
of being directly responsible for his death. In doing so, she surrenders her little boy and his destiny into the hands of God. By chance, the child is discovered in the bulrushes by Pharaoh's daughter, who decides to adopt him as her own. And then we come to the glorious twist in the story, because thanks to the agency of Moses' elder sister, who has been watching this unfold, Moses' own mother ends up being employed as his nurse. So ironically, having surrendered her son to his fate, she not only gets him back, but she gets a salary thrown in as well. There is something at the heart of this story and what it reveals about the ways of God that for me rings true. I suspect that some of us, like Moses' mother, have at some point in the past found ourselves forced to surrender something that we held very dear because we had no option but to let it go. That precious item could be an object or a relationship or simply a profound hope or aspiration, the dream of a work promotion, perhaps even a change of career. Whatever form it takes, it can be unbearably painful to have to relinquish it when we finally realize that we have no other choice. And yet, here is the really strange bit, it is certainly my own experience that if we are able to take that difficult step of letting whatever it is go and entrusting it to God, then oddly enough, it can sometimes end up finding its way back to us when we least expect it and more often than not, with an added bonus attached. When I was awarded my doctorate 20 years ago, my examiners were strongly of the view that I ought to publish my PhD and even suggested the publisher to whom I should send it. Glowing with the newfound sense of my own importance, and convinced of the earth-shattering significance of my academic work, please note I am being ironic here, I duly sent it off, confident that a book deal was in the bag. The rejection letter that followed was crushing, not only because my self-confidence was in reality quite fragile, but more significantly because it dealt a body blow to some of my personal aspirations. Any of you who are writers yourselves will, I'm sure, recognize the cliche that your creations are your babies because they carry within them so much of you, the author. So it's hard not to take rejection personally. But for me, dropping that specific project was also linked to a much broader issue, namely my decision to set aside any remaining ambition that I had to seek a future in academe, which was hard. 
But about five years later, a bizarre sequence of events and encounters led to a completely unexpected outcome. I was older and wiser by then, and had in fact completely changed my view on a number of the core assumptions that had informed my doctoral research. In short, I had discovered that I disagreed with myself, which of course I could do with great authority. I was prompted by others to put in a rather different book proposal, although it was based on the same basic doctoral research. To my absolute astonishment, Oxford University Press was interested and subsequently published it. So I ended up producing a far better book with a far better publisher, which had a far greater impact on my subject of study than my published doctorate would ever have achieved. My OUP book has opened all kinds of doors for me since its publication. Amongst other things, it's the reason why I now represent the Church of England internationally on one of its theological commissions. But much more importantly, in the process, I had also discovered that my real vocation is as a parish priest with academic interests who writes things rather than as an academic who also happens to be ordained. And that particular journey of discovery was only possible because I had been forced to let go, really let go, of all those earlier rather misplaced hopes and aspirations and instead entrust the whole lot to God. What I eventually received back was far more significant and far more appropriate and far more lasting than what I relinquished. It took a real act of trust and a real act of will to be able to let it go. But goodness me, did it pay off in the end. It always depresses me when I hear people, sometimes even church-going Christians, refer to prayer as if it were basically a matter of presenting a wish list to God, the underlying assumption being that if you are well-behaved enough or have enough faith, then God will deliver the goods as requested. I have described this before as the celestial cash dispenser model of God. But surely, if prayer is basically about our relationship with God, and how could it be anything else? What kind of a relationship would that represent? A relationship in which one party simply presents the other with a list of demands and then expects them to be met. True relationships, deep relationships, lasting relationships, even on the human level, are as much about listening as they are speaking. They are about mutual respect, they are rooted in truth, and they are based upon trust. The best kind of friend will sometimes be able to discern our needs even before we have recognized them ourselves. And the best kind of friend is one who loves us enough and knows us well enough to be able to say hard and uncomfortable things to us sometimes, like, I think you need to let go of that 
you cannot cling on to it. And even though the future without it may feel bleak or unclear, trust me, I am with you, I will not leave you, and I will not let you down. And now imagine that on a cosmic scale, our relationship with our Heavenly Father, who knows us better than we know ourselves, the God to whom we can entrust all that is most precious in our lives, knowing that such things will always be held safe, even when they are no longer ours to possess. A God who also, without us even realising it, has been working tirelessly on our behalf, opening up the possibility of something even better and more appropriate that still lies ahead of us. Our collect this morning, the special prayer for today, makes reference to us becoming, and I quote, partakers of God's heavenly treasure. And that is God's promise to us. But treasure in heaven is a very different thing from those earthly treasures that are transient, ephemeral, and soon lose their luster. And just as God's timing is not always of our choosing, so too God's wisdom will always exceed our own. Which is why perhaps the single most important thing we can ever do is to learn how to trust him and to entrust to him all that is most precious to us. And, hard though it may be, sometimes to recognise that the time has come for us simply to let go. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. 
Dear Lord, as people within our community sit together as one body in the pews of St. Bride's, and people from all over the world sit with us in spirit, we pray for those of us who must rebuild a new life because the ways of living with which they were once familiar no longer exist. Help them not to feel daunted by having to embrace new skills. Empower them with the feeling of, I can do it, yes I can. Let avenues of healthy trees lead them gently towards emotionally and practically fulfilling futures, realms of unexpected glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear Hear our prayer. prayer. Dear Lord, we pray that all those who have been affected by the exam result conundrum will always be treated with equity. Let no paths to educational fulfilment and prosperity be barred by unfathomable statistics. In the shadow of the virus, we pray for all those who are feeling isolated from the bliss and spontaneity of friendship, wishing that it were not now a regimented phenomenon. Dear Lord, help us all in every corner of the earth cope with the feeling of disorientation that comes from hugs and kisses no longer being a spur-of-the-moment joy, for loneliness can be as deadly as disease. Lord, in your mercy, hear hear our our prayer. prayer. We pray for the people of Beirut and the devastation they must repair and hope that they will find a way to develop their country for the benefit of all. May resources target the children and those hospitalised and homeless. We pray for the safety and welfare of the migrants who have been seeking refuge in Greece and are now being cast into turbulent realms. We pray that people all over the world will obey willingly the rules concerning how to protect ourselves from the virus. Undoubtedly, dear Lord, you know of those who flout the paths to safety. May they see the folly of their ways. We pray that those in positions of responsibility conduct their duties with foresight and prudence, that clarity rather than confusion shines forth, and all nations work in harmony as one nation to make the earth a healthier habitat. Lord, in your mercy, hear Hear our our prayer. prayer. We pray for the clergy of our faith and other faiths, for Alison and Jeff, our vergers, David and Robin, who make each of us entering our space for prayer feel special and safe. We pray for our staff, our guild and our wondrous choir. We pray that our fears and sorrows may not overwhelm us, and our hopes and dreams may come true. May we all find the strength to rebuild our lives in the love that abounds in the fertile land of saved brides. Merciful Father, accept accept these prayers prayers for the sake sake of of your Son, our our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him, and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. 
we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord of all mercy, we, your faithful people, have celebrated that one true sacrifice which takes away our sins and brings pardon and peace. By our communion, keep us firm on the foundation of the gospel and preserve us from all sin. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.